you need to take control of your life, your health, and be responsible for yourself as well as considerate and responsible for your, the person that you're going to have sex with. Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Alexandra Harbushka tested positive for genital herpes, leading her to create a community of like-minded people online, learning how to manage the condition and thriving together. I believe stigma, disconnection, and loneliness are possibly the most devastating parts of many STIs for many people in the industrialized world where treatments are readily available and they can afford them. As a side note, there are always medical exceptions where any infection can be particularly severe or painful. Herpes is no exception. It's important we don't erase the real suffering of people with herpes or that some people with herpes experience, even though that suffering is not common in any significant volume. There's also treatments now like valcyclovir for those with frequent outbreaks to reduce outbreaks, pain, or risk of transmission. Welcome everyone to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Alexandra Harpushka, who's been living with genital herpes since 2011 and the founder of Life with Herpes, where you can find community toolkits, wellness products, and do one-on-one calls with Alexandra. Um, Welcome, Alexandra. Thanks, Victor. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here talking about herpes. Absolutely. Um, So today I wanted to talk more about disclosures and various related topics. Do you want to start us out by explaining what disclosures are and when when they're appropriate? So disclosing you have herpes is probably the number one thing that holds people back from dating. It is absolutely, um, you know, one of the first questions people always ask me are, will I be able to date again? Will I be able to have sex Mm -hmm. again? And I'm like, yes, 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 of course you will. The difference is now that we definitely have to have a disclosure. We definitely have to be on the same page as our partner or partners and what we're gonna do. Um, And so kind of prior, we may have just been kind of like loose about it or like just like like crossing my fingers, hope hope it's gonna be okay. And now it really is our due diligence to to have that conversation. So again, like I mentioned, the idea of disclosing is what holds people back from dating. So the idea of dating isn't, like, oh, I, I want to date. I want to, I want to go out. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm going to have to disclose. So yeah, I just, I'll either ghost that person or I just won't go on. I'm just not even going to go on the first date or do I have to disclose on the first date? There's so many things. So mm-hmm. one of the things I like to remind people is dating, going out with someone doesn't mean we're sleeping with them. Right. It also doesn't mean we're marrying them. Right. So we think like, that's what, that's what dating is about. Dating is about going out. It's about talking to somebody. It's about getting ice cream. It's about going for coffee. It's about meeting for lunch. It's about going to an art museum. It's about going to a sports game. It's about all these dinner, drinks, whatever it is. It doesn't mean that we're sleeping with them. So we forget and we get like 25 steps ahead of ourselves. And we're like, well, I have to tell them on date one. I keep telling everybody, you don't have to tell them on date one. It's, are you going to sleep with them? And if you are, then we have to disclose. There's no sure. like, yeah, there's no like I was 
holding back or I was like waited forever to, to tell them it does, every relationship's different. And if you are going to have a one night stand, awesome. It's totally possible. There's just because we have herpes doesn't mean we can't have one night stand, right? It means all that it means is that we have to just have that initial disclosure. So if it is something mm-hmm. that's extremely casual or kind of like off the whim, like a one night stand or something extremely casual, I recommend starting off with just get to the point, right? Like, Hey, we're going to do this. I'm excited to do this. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we're both trusting each other on this point. I just need to let you know, I have genital HSV one or genital HSV two or oral HSV one or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And what I'm doing to protect you is I'm either doing A, B, C, or D that could look like I am on the antiviral that could look like I haven't had an outbreak in five years that mm-hmm. could look like, um, we're going to use condoms and, the good news is, is I'm disclosing this and we're going to be as careful as possible. Um, and that's how that conversation goes. It is short to the point and at it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, if I left anything else, if it is something that is not necessarily a casual thing, you're, it's, it's, it's a, it's a committed relationship. It's, it's a longer dating. I recommend that the conversation happens when you are ready to have sex. Like I said, Mm -hmm. it's probably not going to be date one and it doesn't, there's no science. It's not like, Oh, on date three is when you have to do it. Cause that date, if it's not by date three, then, you know, right. It it can be, it it can be very, it could be three months. It could be six weeks. It could be three dates whenever you're ready. And that's just a conversation. I like to say you have it. There's three things you need to look at. Number one, is this person able to have like, is this person competent? Does this person have um, the ability to have a conversation and make decisions? Number one. Number two, mm-hmm. is this person over the age of 18? Like, are you are you both of adults and able to make a decision? And number three, are you sober? Like, I'm not saying you had a beer at dinner, but I'm like, hey, you're not high. You didn't have mm-hmm. a bottle of wine. You're not at the nightclub doing shots. Like, you're having these conversations about your sexual health. So if you answer yes to those three questions, that's also a good time to disclose, right? It's not after right. you've had, you know... 25 shots. Well, that would be a lot. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And I would say for people under 18 as well, it's still important to disclose even it's if you're. Very, oh yeah. Very important. But like if you're 15 and someone's 20, you got it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a different, that's a different situation. That's what I'm talking about. If, if got it. you both, if, if there's a minor and an adult, you got to look at what you're doing there. Cause there's different laws on that one. That's a, that's a very separate issue, but yes, I agree completely. Right. Right. <laughs> that is also of concern. Um, also of concern. Right? That was a big age gap on that one, but you know what I'm yeah, saying? I know what you're um, saying. Right. And, and we just need to open with sexual health. Like, Hey, let's talk about this. Yeah. Let's talk about sexual health. I want to do this with you. Let's do this. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. What are we going to do together to protect one another? Do we need to talk about birth control? Do we need to talk about other partners? Are we exclusive? Do I have other partners? Do you have other partners? What's going on with those, those people? Are they getting tested? And just have those conversations. Yes, they're awkward. Yes, they're uncomfortable. But you're standing up for you. And that's what I personally learned from having herpes is I wasn't standing up for me. I was just like, okay, whatever. I trust people and it'll be fine. You need to take, you need to take control of your life 
your health and be responsible for yourself as well as considerate and responsible for your, the person that you're going to have sex with, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's kind of how I like to have people open. Um, everybody should get tested. You know, you, yep. there's things you may or may not know you have, and it's just fair. Well, and you know, beyond yeah. fair, it's just really good policy. Like if you don't know, you can end up causing yourself pelvic inflammatory disease, infertility, and a whole range of problems. If you just go and get tested, a lot of these things are really easy to treat, like literally one or two weeks painless treatment, or you could potentially be infertile. Like it's, it's so zany to me that we don't, that it's not a standard everywhere that culturally we don't just make sure everyone gets tested like every six months. Right. Right. There's a lot of people that don't, cause they just, they don't want the, the answer. I don't know. Right. I don't know that I'm good or, you know, or they're in denial or, um, you know, yeah. just not, not being responsible about it. And we're also not taught to be responsible about it. Like you were saying, it's not standard. Right. And then you don't have a burden to disclose if you don't know. If you don't know, you don't know. Right. Even, Even though, though you... that person clearly knows and has a burden now. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. If everybody got tested, there would be no stigma. So literally one of my questions, Alex, agreed, firstly agreed. Um, but secondly, one of my questions that I ask people when I'm doing like a safer sex elevator speech um, is I'll ask people like, when was the last time you got tested? Um, do you have, or do you suspect, you know, you've ever had any STI and like, what, what are we talking about? Just like have that conversation about like what a person may suspect. Cause if you frame things in a way where a person can lie by omission, people are much more likely to do that. But research shows if you ask someone directly, they're much more likely to tell you the truth because now they have to actively lie to you in order to, um, you know, ev- like evade that. detection. So it's not even because I'm saying, you know, the partner you love and trust is going to lie to you. It's just like, make it easy. Give them an in to disclose is what I would say. I really liked that. That's a great, great way. Because if we are, it's like the whole thing about STDs of being like the spooky thing, or you're like such a bad person or irresponsible or like, well, I know why you have it or whatever those those Mm -hmm. preconceived notions are. Basically, if you're going to have sex, you're going to get an STI at some point, right? If, if you have it, enough of it, for sure. Or if you just have it once with a person who's positive for something. Right. And it's not necessarily a numbers game. I mean, at some totally. point, yes, it is, right? Obviously, mm. the person that's had sex with one person is at less risk than the person that's had sex with 100 people. Obviously. Provided, provided the one person they have sex with didn't just have unprotected sex with 100 people. Exactly. And that's that was going to be my point. <laughs> oh, so, Sorry. Yeah. And so at some point it is a numbers game, but at the same time, the viruses and bacteria, they don't care. It's like, oh, you're a new host. Great. Right. Right. That's it. That's all it is. It doesn't pick like education level, race, um, you know, socioeconomic uh, um, status, all that. It's like, okay, you're a host. I need to procreate. I'm going to go to this body now. Cool. Yeah. And there may be correlationships, of course, in terms of of, you know, the educational background, disclosure, access to healthcare, access to antivirals. So like it may be correlated with things like socioeconomic status, but that doesn't mean obviously, yes, the virus isn't preferring certain types of people. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. We're not like immune to it because we think, well, I'm this and that, and therefore I'm not going to. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I didn't even consider that that was the angle you were coming at it from, that some people would be like, oh, this is like not a thing I need to worry about because I'm in this socioeconomic status or whatever. Or, right, or I'm married, 
or right. I'm, I have, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in an exclusive partnership or whatever. Like mm-hmm. just because we have those things doesn't mean that we're not going to get it. Totally. You know? Yeah. Well, and like you said too, like so many people have already been exposed to one form or the other. So it's just a reality of a lot of people right now. Exactly. Uh, by the time you're 50, 90% of the population will be exposed to herpes. Sure. So that just goes to show like you can't avoid it. It's, it's, it's even if like, you're like, well, I'm not going to be in a sexual relationship with somebody that has it Mm -hmm. again. Like I use the example, there's someone that you love that has it that's in your life, you know? Um, yeah. Or like orally me. Really? Yeah, exactly. So like herpes, HSV one oral HSV two oral oral herpes, it can also be transmitted sexually. Um, doesn't mean you got it sexually, but it means it can, it could be transmitted sexually. And And so it's something we need to be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. And I find that people don't think about typical infections as STIs, even ones that can also be STIs, like even take COVID. Like a lot of people don't think of it as an STI. Um, but like realistically, if you're going to catch a disease that that's unlikely to, but may possibly have a really serious consequences, disability or death, you're more likely to get it kissing than you are just having sex, which is so strange to say out loud, but hopefully it helps move the stigma. Right. Just open it for conversation and maybe not be so like, well, well, I know why you got it. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really unkind thing to say to someone. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily say it to someone, but it's, it's the whole it. pre, yeah, the whole preconceived of like, well, I know, yeah, like, well, obviously that's why, or well, did you see the person that person was dating? You know, like all those things that we just assume why they would have herpes or an STI, um, judgment behind it. I like to use the example. So I taught sex ed. Mm -hmm. I was a sex ed education um, teacher through Planned Parenthood. I was trained through Planned Parenthood. I um, was a peer educator, meaning Mm -hmm. I went out to other, as a high school student, I went out to other high schools and was, I I taught it. I was trained in it. So I knew about herpes. I knew about other STIs. I knew about anatomy and physiology. I knew about birth control. I knew all of that. Mm -hmm. Even though I knew all of that, I still never thought I would get it. Of course. And the reason... And the reason why is I had this preconceived notion of the type of guy that had herpes looked like Marilyn Manson. That is really funny on a lot of levels. I appreciate that. Right. Nothing against Marilyn Manson, but in my mind, I have no idea if he has herpes. I'm not trying to start a rumor, but in my mind, I'm trying to make a point in my mind, the type of guy that had herpes was him. And in my mind, I was not attracted to a man like that. That was someone I was not going to date. And so therefore the type of man I was going to date was not going to have herpes because he didn't look like that. And as silly as that sounds, we all play a game in our mind of why this is never going to happen to me, whatever it is, whatever it could be herpes. It could be gambling addiction. It could be drug addiction. It could be whatever. And it's not going to happen to me because the type of person that does that or has that Mm -hmm. did this and I didn't do this. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really good opportunity for us just to like reevaluate some silly preconceived notions that we have, even though we might know the truth. Like I knew, I knew how herpes was transmitted. I knew I was supposed to ask my partners to get tested. I knew that. Well, and they won't even test really for, 
for HSV anymore. Like when I go and get a full panel done, they never test for HSV unless like, you actually have symptoms or an open lesion. Mm-hmm. And, and hilariously, when you ask for a test, if you in BC go to a general practitioner and ask for a herpes test, they will discourage you from getting a test because they know it's more than likely going to come back positive for antibodies in your blood. And then people will have a full-blown meltdown around it, um, whether or not it even relates to any real risk of transmission. Certainly, right. certainly no new risk of transmission that they didn't have before. Right, right. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's different everywhere you go. Every, every medical provider is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, some are like, I will test you for this. Sure. Others are like, like you're saying, why bother? If you don't have symptoms, I'm not going to bring it up. Right. I don't feel like blowing up your life over functionally, like no real gain for you. It just, right. it almost isn't worth their time as providers to try and walk you through dealing with the emotional fallout after it comes back positive. And you're right that, that, yeah, that the trauma that you would go through emotionally, mentally is not worth it, um, to them. Mm -hmm. And, and something else I want to bring up is, um, I've mentioned that the way that we can get tested is through an antibody test, which is through a blood draw. And what that tells, what that tells you, what they're looking for is either antibodies for HSV one or antibodies for HSV2. What that does not tell you as a couple of things is how long you've had it. It doesn't tell you where it's located. So you could, perfect example, go, oh, I have HSV1. And you could assume that it's oral because most of the time it it is oral. However, nowadays, (laughs) I cannot tell you how many people I talk to, all ages, that they have genital HSV1. So they have the oral type down there. Yeah. And you can get HSV2 orally as well. It's like, it's exactly. it's not a rule anymore. So you don't know where you have it if you are asymptomatic. Yeah. Which I'm sure for a lot of people could be terrifying. It could blow up relationships. Because again, like the the biggest irony I find as someone who feels mostly pretty educated and mostly pretty destigmatized about a lot of STIs is the only thing I'm afraid of catching these days is the stigma. Right. That's a, I love that. I love that you said that. The only thing I'm, I'm yeah, the stigma. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. I think that pretty much wraps our episode on disclosures. Um, yeah. Thank you so Disclose. much, Alexandra. I do want to add one yeah, thing about disclosures. Yeah, that's really important because again, it, I mentioned earlier that like that's what holds us back from dating, and yeah, we might get rejected totally. And I and and in my opinion and my experience from working in this field since seventeen on it is rejection happens for three reasons. Number one, the person is just not mature about sexual health. Like they're silly. It's like silly. It's like oh sex. They're, they're still, it's silly. They're just not mature about it. And that doesn't mean that it, your age, it just means the idea of sex is still like taboo and we're not going to talk about it and like making, you know, so we're not mature about it. Number two, we're married to the idea about STIs. You could use the example of like trying to convince, you know, um, religion on someone else. Like they're not going to change. This is my religion and that's your religion. And I'm not going to be convinced of your religion period. The end, like it's never going to happen. So like that they're, they're married to the idea about STDs or three. The third reason why rejection happens, especially when we have disclosures about herpes is they're not into you. And that's the hardest one to hear, but they're not into you. And that hurts 
trust, it always hurts. Rejection on any level hurts, but you have to realize if they're not into you, why were you wanting yeah, to be with 100%. them? You know, and so yes, rejection happens, but it just, it's, it's closing a door to open another door to somebody that's better suited for you yeah. or an opportunity for you just to grow as an individual. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It really sounds a lot like, here's what I'm hearing that rejection. I'm just giving me a sec. Cause I'm trying to parse all that you just said. Um, that rejection happens for three reasons that one of them is that people just can't have a safer sex conversation to begin with. It's just, everything's too silly and they, they aren't emotionally equipped to have that conversation, which in my mind is sort of like, I wouldn't be with someone who couldn't have a safer sex conversation. They're probably not even tested, which as right. a, as yeah. a non-monogamous person, that's outside of my risk profile. I won't date someone right. who doesn't test. I, I won't sleep with someone who doesn't test. I'm not interested in that. That's outside of my risk profile. I don't care if they've been monogamous their whole life. You know, one of the highest STI risk profiles is like someone who's monogamously married because if their spouse is cheating on them, like their spouse is probably not testing. They're not following best practices. Like it's just a huge, enormous risk. So if, if someone's like, I don't test, I'm like, that's great. I love that for you. That is never going to be for me. Right. And then the second reason you said was because they have a deep sense of like value or group identity associated with being 100% STI free all the time. Right. It's like there's a, a deep sense of fear or shame around like possibly being infected by a bacterium or a virus in a specific part of their yeah. body where that. And that thought's never going right. to change ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm currently reading um, The Righteous Mind, which is a book that talks about moralizing and how humans moralize and how rationales get applied to justify moralizations post hoc. It's really, really, really interesting. Um, but one of the things that I found that was so interesting was this idea that we use disgust as a way to lean towards or against ideas instinctively before we start coming up with rationales or reasons. Wow. Yeah, so if they've got a deep sense of the value that they believe that this is like a dirty thing that's really unclean or like it triggers disgust in them, there is no mm -hmm. rational argument you could conceivably give someone that's ever going to move that. No, ever. Ever. And the research is really great. clear. They're just not for you. Yeah. It's just never going to work. They're just not, not compatible. Yeah. Best of luck to you on, on your journey of being STD free for life. You probably have one and don't know it yeah. or have come across one, but best of luck to you. Yeah. Hopefully that person's testing. Cause again, like asymptomatic, asymptomatic STIs happen all the time and they're so much more devastating if you don't get them treated. So just like go test. If you haven't been tested, go test. It's very important. Okay. And you're probably going to come up yeah. negative or not, but either way, it's better to know for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the third reason you said was that they're just not that into you. Which again is like, do you want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with you? And I should hope the answer is no. Right. And you just teed it up for them. Like you just made it so easy for that person to be like, Alexandra, I don't want to be like, you just teed it up. Yeah. You know, you gave them an out. Like you gave them an out. I mean, how many times I don't, I don't, I know for myself, like there's times when you're not into someone and you like, don't want to say, well, I'm not into you because of something that's hurtful. Sure. You're like, well... You know, you're going to different college next year, mm -hmm. so <laughs> whatever. You come up with whatever it is. I so. mean, I'm kind of neurodivergent, so, like, I'm super direct with people. Like, I will usually just say, but you're right. When it comes to telling people you're not attracted to them, even I really struggle with that. Like, sometimes I'll find other mm -hmm. reasons. 
Yeah. Right. That's a really, really interesting one. But yeah. Right. But my hope is that people can just be honest and transparent and communicate with each other as best as possible. And there's nothing wrong with just saying that's out of my risk profile. You don't have to say like, that's disgusting or I'm not into that or whatever. You can just be like, oh, that's outside of my risk profile. Right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It's just, I'm not willing to take the risk yeah. or, okay, cool. Yeah. It's like, that's, okay. you, you get to say that. Like you get to consent and decide what the right risk is for your body to take. That makes a great point. Just give the person the opportunity to make yeah. the decision for him or herself. Like, don't make that decision for someone else either. Like a lot of people will say, like I was mentioning, we get paralyzed with the idea of disclosing and like, well, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to go out with, with that person. Right. And I'm like, but you're, you could, you're doing a disservice, not only to yourself, but to that yeah. person, that person may be totally cool. Maybe even has herpes too. And you're doing a disservice. Mm -hmm. So let him or her make their own decision if they want to be part yeah. of it. Alexandra, thank you so much for being on this episode of Intimate Interactions. Thank you. Thanks, Victor. It was fun. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash Intimate Victor, or tweet me at Intimate Victor, or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at Intimate Victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>